What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. The Pride of Detroit POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, and it's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park, and each two-ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions and the POD cast, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. For our listeners, we have a special offer for you. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the promo code POD15 at checkout. Get you 15% off your order. That's POD15 at RighteousFelon.com. Don't stop now. Don't stop now and don't look now. Lions are one of the best teams in the NFL. Might be the best team. We're going to get into that and so much more. And we're not mean-lining Kool-Aid here. We are being reasonable, responsible adults who aren't just fans. We cover this team. Full-fledged, real journalism's going on here on the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook. You know where to find us. We say it all the time. Pride of Detroit POD cast. You can get this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you like getting podcasts. It's all there for you. All available. You can get our, you can get our post-game show. You can get our interview with Amon Ra St. Brown, who then got the nice Chris Perfett bump and went off for 120 yards. That's what happens when I talk to you. Also, when you're awesome and you're healthy. I am Chris Perfett. And I'm giving you the bump right now, the mental bump to do excellent in your life on Twitter at Chris Perfett. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader. When I say we're not just fans, but we're real journalisms, I'm talking about Jeremy Reisman, who was in Tampa in the press box. He was there for work, folks. He was right. there for work. We're not we're not just invading the stands, we're invading the press boxes as well. No away press box is now safe. Complete takeover wherever you go. <laughs> Everything you do. Jeremy, how was Tampa? It's great, man. Um it's 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 kind of incredible what's happening. It's not it's not surprising as you know, anyone who's been in Detroit as long as they have to to see fans go as nuts as they currently are and see them travel as well when you finally have a decent product on the field and not just a decent product, a very, very, very good product on the field. This is just the beginning, Chris. Like we're we still got what six more home games? People they got don't eight, they got nine me. this year, right? People don't believe me when I say the Lions take over stadiums. I'll show them the pictures and these cowboy Angelino fans will just laugh it off and they won't have much to say, but 
It's going to keep happening. and It'll happen Sold- to your team. Soldier Field is going to be nuts. <laughs> Just like an app. Like it, that literally might be like a 65-35 situation in Detroit's favor. Yeah, that's going to be like a Chargers. That's going to be like the Monday night game here tonight with Cowboys and Chargers on just inversion. Right. Ryan Matthews Black is the rock guy. at Ryan underscore P.O.D. The other man in the house, our third man, the third man, the man, Ryan Matthews. How are we feeling at five and one? Ahead of schedule. <laughs> that's how we're feeling. <laughs> Ahead of schedule. <laughs> yeah, that's how we're I'm feeling. Even- I don't even know if there's a schedule anymore. We're just we're just on the road and we're just taking in the scenes wherever we go and we're just brake lining down the autobahn. Oh yeah. It's fun, man. It's fun. And I don't think that that can be like, you know, uh undersold. I think that like this is just so much fun. And it's just great that it's a continuation from last year, right? Like we had that stretch of really fun football and I mean we'll get into it once we start talking yeah. podcast stuff, but like it's just really fun to root for a good football team. Well, Kelly Rowe, our Kelly Rowe brought up that. Um, I think she had that tweet where it's like they showed on the broadcast best records in the NFL since week nine last season. And they had those four teams up there, 49ers, Chiefs, Eagles, Lions. And Kelly said, I'm still not used to this. Yeah. I don't know when I'm going to become used to it, but I am now used to saying Dan Campbell is like, He gets the reputation as being the motivator, but that man is a head coach and a very good head coach and not just in motivating people, but in getting a team ready to play these kind of games. It was not an easy one game against Tampa in any stretch, but you know what the Lions still did extended their streak of 20 plus point games to 14. We'll see if that continues against the Baltimore Ravens. They still had and in, they 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 went down on their running backs. We'll get into that later. But they still had an incredibly good passing game in Jared Goff. And they held a team, Ryan, to under seven points in the modern NFL. That cannot be understated either. <laughs> Let me direct that to Jeremy. Let me direct that to Jeremy. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of. It, it it renders you speechless a little bit because I I thought this defense was going to improve a lot from 2022 to 2023. I thought it did start to improve towards the end of last of last year. But even I, as someone who said it was possible to make a jump into the top 10 several times in the offseason, I don't know if I expected this. And and not everything is 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 firing on all cylinders to bring car talk in very early in this podcast. You know, there there were some coverage breakdowns. I don't think the pass rush was at its best against the Buccaneers, but you still held the team to six points. You still are absolutely dominating the run game, dominating the trenches, and you're making teams one dimensional. You're making it so that Baker Mayfield, in order to even stay in the football game, he has to connect on 40 yard passes, which he very clearly didn't. But when you when you put a team in that sort of situations where they have to have those big explosive plays just to keep pace with you, just to look competitive against you, you're doing a pretty darn good job. And and man, it's just. It's it's incredible. It's it's really promising. And and you still get the feeling, Chris and Ryan, that like they're scratching the surface still. They can play better football than they're playing right now. That did not feel like the Lions a game against the Buccaneers. And they won by two scores. 
and it was never to, close. We do have to emphasize that Tampa is a really good team, especially defensively too. Lions, Lions spent a lot of time. I think Vita Vey, even though he didn't really get much action going in the scorecard, Ryan, he at the very least, uh, I think he still put up something like Jeremy, something ridiculous in PFF, like a 90 grade or yeah. something. So Lions yeah. had their hands full with him. And, you know, Kalijah Kansi still eats a little bit of his, but you limit that damage still. You played a very good Tampa Bay team. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how good Tampa is. I'm not trying to understand. I'm not trying to undersell them as being like a like a bad team. Like, I think that they're kind of just an average team probably by the end of the year. Like, I don't really see them winning the oh, sure. South. Um, yeah. But but again, like context is always important. Right. And it's they're three and one. They're coming off the bye. The Lions are beat up. They're going on the road. And it didn't matter. Like, I think my favorite my favorite thing to pull from right now is Bill Murray and meatballs, his, his pump up speech where he's like, it just doesn't matter. Like it just doesn't matter what's going to happen because the lions are going to, at the very least, they're going to make it competitive. And it, I mean, this week it wasn't just competitive. It was, it was dominant again. And to Jeremy's point, I think, you know, for whatever, maybe quote unquote regression that the run defense had last week against Carolina, um, no, they couldn't do it. Right. And, and we We're saw, back, we, we saw again, the defense's ability to make a team one dimensional. And when they make teams one dimensional and they're daring them to throw the ball, it's not going to end up well, especially when it's Baker Mayfield. Like I understand that like, Hey, it was kind of cute. Like through the first few weeks, like Baker Mayfield reclamation project. But like, again, like we talked to Scott Reynolds in first bite, like, this is a guy who like it's not like he's just on his like second team, right? It's like there were the Browns, there were the Panthers, there were the Rams, and now right. he's on the Buccaneers. And I mean, that's like within almost a calendar year. You know, he's he's made the rounds and he's here in Tampa Bay and things were going well until you know the the, the Mike Tyson quote happened, right? All, everything's all good and it's good, you know, your plan is working well until you get punched in the face. Right. And and I think it's worth pointing out. You know, and I, I had dropped a couple hints of this throughout the week. This was a Seattle-based offense. This was a team that was passing the ball well. This is a team that has two very dangerous receivers. And two of the highest-graded guys on the Lions defense via PFF, PFF this week were their outside corners. Jerry Jacobs and Cameron Sutton were two of the best players on the defensive side of the field for them. Now we can't say that of, of every corner and, and maybe when there we were talk about our, some our studs and duds, I, I was going to uh, say, well, we'll definitely have some moments where they could have absolutely gotten burned if certain things right. hadn't happened. Sure. But, but I think my overall point is like, this was a big test for them. They, they had faced a bunch of young inexperienced quarterbacks and made them look silly. They had not faced a veteran quarterback since that Seattle game. And and granted, Baker didn't help himself a lot in this game and the opportunities were there, but they also made him uncomfortable. They also made him have to make plays and he didn't. And the Lions did a pretty decent job, especially on the perimeter in, in making sure that Mike Evans and Chris Godwin didn't destroy this team like DK Metcalf and, and, and Tyler Lockett did. And so that's that's progress, even if there were 80 yard plays that they left on the field, 40 yard plays that they left on the field. Those plays didn't happen, and it wasn't only because of quarterback play. I think one the one thing I was most pleased to see about the Detroit Lions, 
And I, I was hoping we didn't have to see it, but unfortunately, injury kind of made it a necessity. David Montgomery leaves the game. The Lions have to rely on Craig Reynolds. Craig Reynolds, to his credit, had a monster block in this game. Like took out like almost two defenders at the same time to set up for St. Brown's touchdown. But at the end of the day, the Lions were basically without what they liked, which was having a ground game that they could rely on late in the game. And the good news is, is that at least in this case right here, it they didn't it didn't matter. Because at that point, they still had the Buccaneers where they wanted them. They had, and this is, I, I know people think I'm the Jared Goff hater, but Jared Goff played out of his mind in this game. We'll talk about him more in the studs and duds. And they had the offense, which even though might have struggled early against the Buccaneers, was able to still keep pace in a lot of places. They've shown that once again, the Lions, even though when they have to go to their passing game, it's still enough for them to get the job done. And finally, we got JMO worked in as well. So, yeah, I mean, to to me that 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 is maybe that was kind of the storyline I I ran with on on Pride of Detroit Direct, only because it was it was stunning to me. Not that Jared Goff was good. I mean, he's been good for a full sixteen games now at this point, maybe even more than that. But just that the Lions were able to adopt an entirely new identity to to close out that ball game. Because you're right, when this team is playing with the lead. That's when they're at their most comfortable because then they can run David Montgomery, do the whole five minute drill thing and bleed as much clock and just physically dominate you. It's what they did against Atlanta. It's what they've done in the past. It's what they did against Green Bay to, to some effect. But that card was taken out of their hand. And it listen, a, a five minute drill or in this case, a seven minute drive that ends in a punt. But as Dan Campbell said, might be, might have been their most impressive and important drive of the game in the fourth quarter when you're up two scores to do that, throwing the ball on eight of 11 downs. That is not easy. As, and, and, and let's also underline the point that this Buccaneers pass defense. Ryan, do you remember what they were ranked in DVA going into this game? Two. That's right. Second, second in the NFL. I think we all looked at this game and we were like, this is a game in which the Lions can run the ball. They won't have to pass the ball a lot. And they had to absolutely. And I, I bet that's what Ben Johnson thought, too. They're running the ball a ton. They were driving Ryan crazy on Twitter, running on the on second down, second runs, down. Yeah. <laughs> and they were able to flip the switch in the second half. And Ben Johnson, I think, deserves a lot of credit. You, you, you can say maybe he deserves some, some criticism for some conservative play calling in the first half. But to be able to come out in the second half and be like, screw it. We're just going to throw the ball a ton. And it works against a defense like this. That was damn impressive. And, and that and, now tells me that this team can win in multiple ways. Offense, defense, pass, run. They can do it all any way the game commands. And that makes you a super dangerous team. That's how the best teams play. Yeah, well, I, I want to come back to that point because that drive, right, that Jeremy just mentioned where, you know, uh, Goff is six for eight on that drive. Um, I mean, it's maybe some of his best work that he's ever done. Because they need him to move the football. Um, I mean, that drive starts on Detroit's 16-yard line. They're up 20 to 6 with 1037 left. Like the game's not over by any means. You know, two scores from Tampa, and it's a tie, it's a tie ball game. Yeah. And you know, th- I think that what was most impressive about it is I I, I thought the 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 throws 
that Jared Goff was making, some of them in incredibly tight windows, some of them, you know, I mean, for the most part, it was it was the Amon Ross St. Brown drive, right? It was like, okay, this is my security blanket. He's going to find some soft spot in his own. It doesn't matter that there's a linebacker and a safety converging or a corner and a linebacker. It doesn't matter. Like, I'm going to get it to him, and I'm going to trust that the guy's going to catch the ball because that's the most important thing, right? The Lions, you know, before, before that drive, there were some drops issues, right? Like, I mean, Laporta had a drop. JMO had a drop. Um, there were just some concerns and I thought that Goff stood tall and like his decision-making throughout the game, I thought was remarkable in terms of throwing plays dead, right? There there was a screenplay to Montgomery where he was like, Nope, that's not going to work on to the next play. Right. Giving up plays is probably one of his biggest strengths, Ryan. Like I've seen too much quarterback play this year where people keep trying to extend a play. Jared Goff knows when he's in trouble and he just doesn't want to risk it. Well, he knows now because this is the same guy that we were talking about two years ago who was running out of bounds on fourth down. You know what I mean? Like, I, so that's what I'm talking about, like the maturity and the growth and like mm-hmm. the sense and the and the wherewithal to make those Confidence. plays. Yes. And I think that that was on full display. And yep. and like you said, the Lions had to call the ultimate audible. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll talk about how concerned I am about missing D- David Montgomery for an extended period of time uh, with this offense. But uh, I, I think that what Goff did this week, this is a moneymaker game. You know what I mean? Like, this is a game where it's like, yep, you are one of those guys who deserves, you know, big, big bucks. Maybe MVP votes. I'm going to go ahead and yeah. set, start it. Yeah, I'll start. I mean, we, we can start I'll having start that it. conversation. I, I, I think six what, weeks looking, in the season, but yeah, I, I know, but I'm, I'm. So people have already started with some other players, so if they're going to play that game, I, I'm saying Jared Goff belongs in that game too. Sure, absolutely. That throw that he made to Jamison Williams too. Um, yeah, like good job, JMO. Good job, JMO, to get it contested where it is, but that ball went directly to him. As well. And I loved the design of that play to peel off defenders to to make it so that JMO just needs to beat one on one. And that's something that. Like, if that's if that is operational every game where now a team has to worry about a deep threat, like because St. Brown was on that side of the field, too. Yeah. And you have to worry about St. Brown either going to the middle or JMO taking the top off. And you have to pick and choose which one. That's hard to defend against. And if the Lions can keep can get that working in more games, it will result in more home run balls. And that's an element to the to the football team we haven't had yet. And it was so incredibly critical to this game too, right? The the, the offense was was stuck in mud there for a while, and it's a one score game in the in the second half. And you're wondering if we're going to have another third quarter. And that was a ball yeah, game, really. <laughs> you, you, it, it really was when when you're dealing with a, a game that is clearly not going to involve a shootout, clearly not going to involve multiple touchdowns, being up two scores, being up 14 points might feel amazing, might feel like you, you've you sealed it. And yeah, I'm with you. Like, I thought the play design was was brilliant. You you have you really put the safety in a bind there, because if, if I'm on rock cuts towards the middle of the field, then then you have to follow him and you're leaving JMO the, the entire sideline. And he, the safety just basically like was flat footed, didn't know what to do. And then he, you know, JMO kind of runs the post towards the, the end zone and um, Goff puts it generally speaking in the right area. I, I think you have to give JMO a ton of credit yeah. to adjusting in the mid, in the middle of the air and, and, and looking up kind of turning over his shoulders and finding it. Um, 
but I but, think Josh Reynolds was in on that side, that same side of the play too, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe or yeah. it might have been might have been Craig Reynolds. I just know there was like yeah, it, there was like two different players that peeled away yeah. as well. Either way, it it just goes to show you when when you have two guys, when you have an Amon Ra and someone else, not not to you know trash on on Josh Reynolds or or, or you know Jameer Gibbs or, or Sam Laporta, but when you have a guy that run such crisp routes as as Amon Ross St. Brown and someone that is so fast like Jameson Williams, you make these safeties and corners make split section, split second decisions. And if they make the wrong one, one of those players is going to make them pay. Yeah. And the other JMO thing is right. Like we're talking about the touchdown two plays before that, a bad drop. You know what I mean? On, on admittedly a really good route that he like put mm-hmm. Jamel Dean on skates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But couple of things, right? Like to have the confidence to call his number two plays later, right? Yeah. It's third and 10 it's midfield. The game is one score as, as you mentioned, right. And you're going back to him, right? Like sure. I, I, I think, you know, golf to have the confidence to make that throw, uh, you know, Ben Johnson to, to call that play and have the confidence in, in the kid who just, you know, dropped the football and you know, who knows. Right. And Jamison Williams himself to basically have pitcher brain and get that drop completely out of his head. Just go back yeah. to what he's there to do. Yeah. And and I mean, we, we could talk about, too, about, you know, the the limited snap count. And, you know, I think uh, Jeremy kind of hit the nail on the head with that. With, you know, last week, it was a blowout. You can get a lot more Jameson Williams on the field. Um, I, I think moving forward, though, like, I think the expectation should be we're going to see more and more and more of this guy. Um, yeah. Because it, it's clear that they're ramping him up. And the confidence is being established and um, they're giving him opportunities. Yeah. And I think the most important part, and it's what uh, Dan Campbell said today in his press conference on, on Monday afternoon, um, it's the stuff away from the catches that's important. It's building the trust in terms of running your routes at the right depth, being in the right place where you, you're supposed to be blocking all that sort of stuff. Dan Campbell said huge strides this week compared to last week. There was some rust last week. He had a really good set of practices last week leading up to the uh, to the Panthers game. I think maybe the actual game itself was there was some rust there. And but, but like you said, like the game was out of hand. So he got almost 50 percent of the snaps this week. Good set of practice again comes out, looks a little bit more crisp, looks a little more like he's in football mindset and, and all that sort of stuff. And he's doing all the right things away from the play. And when you can gain that sort of level of trust from your coaching staff, from your your quarterback, that's when you're going to see the ramp up. And so I'm with you. I think this was a a bigger step in the right direction, uh, not just because of the touchdown. In fact, regardless of the touchdown, uh, that 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 we're going to see more JMO. I don't know if it's going to be this week. Maybe they wait until after the bye. Maybe they wait until they unleash him on Monday night against the Raiders. Um, but I, I think it's coming very soon. You know who's also stepping up their game? Righteous fell in craft jerky because they have so many flavors. That's right. <laughs> I actually don't know if they have a new flavor or not, but uh, I did see Jeremy with the Truffalo Bill earlier. That's right. And that's the Truffalo Truff- Bill, which was picked uh, purposely because the Bills are one of the elite teams in the NFL that the lines are very clearly better than. I don't even know if I can call the Bills elite right now with sometimes the games they're having, but sure. Yeah. Hey, whatever. Sure. We'll give the Bills that because Truffalo Bill is a magnificent flavor and reaffirms that righteous felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, using locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, revolutionary branding, unique flavors like that that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. And guess what? 
It's the official jerky of the Pride of Detroit POD cast. It's also the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions because righteous felon jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each stick has eight grams. Everyone loves protein. You can't get enough of it. Not actual dietitian advice. There might actually be such a thing as too much protein. Uh, but guess what? We also are going to make this deal sweeter for you. Promo code POD15 at checkout at RighteousFelon.com gets you 15% off your order. Get Truffalo Bill. Get Fowl Capone, the turkey jerky. Get Soul Survivor, Korean barbecue flavor. Habanero. They got Biltong, too. Jeremy, what's Biltong? It's like soft meat. It tastes really good. <laughs> it's like air dried. It's like air dried. It's a South African thing, but it's also a meat snack. I was hoping you would know. Uh, but yeah, promo code nope. POV15 at RighteousFelon.com. When we come back on the other side, more player breakdowns. And I want to talk about a linebacker who has absolutely d- deserves his due. Playing out of his mind right now, among other things. That and more, plus we'll examine the injury situation. That's next in the Pride of Detroit POD cast. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of PropG Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Pride to Detroit POD cast. Segment two is where we break down some players. I feel like we've already kind of dove in there already with Jamison Williams and Jared Goff. And I'm sure we'll bring up Jared Goff again because I want to have a deeper conversation on what we have. But a lot of other players to talk about here. And I'm going to go off my tees to start us. We had two offensive players to talk about last segment. Let's move over to the defense. And I want to talk about how well Alex Anzalone has been playing right now. I think he was the second highest rated player from pro football focus uh, behind. Is it was he actually I think. Am I Jeremy, I, I'm blanking real bad because either him or Cam Sutton. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. Yeah, Cam Sutton is number one. Can't thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm sorry. I had an adequate moment there. Alex Anzalone, however, uh, phenomenal work for most of the day, even with snaps being given to Jack Campbell. And I know the goal eventually is we see Jack Campbell eventually playing that same role that he's still playing at a level that indicates he's going to remain the leader of this team. And he's been fantastic through several games now, Jeremy. Yeah. And and to be clear, Anzalone has now moved over to to the will spot. And so mm-hmm. um, he's going to stay there. And right. and play a hundred percent of the snaps if he can, um, and and that's he's clearly better there. Like he said in in interviews, he's more comfortable there, and it's showing. And 
what a what a crazy week and a half it's it's been for that man. Um, obviously, this was a, a super emotional week for him, and to have his parents there at the game because they live in Florida, it's been I one think, hell of a week for him. Yeah, yeah. I think he even said after the game in the locker room, like there was no way in hell I was going to play a bad game today. Um, and and he he didn't. He he is just all over the damn field. He is so essential to what they do in the run game, but he's also super capable as as a pass defender. He had two pass deflections in this game, and so it, I I think I think a we've we're, we're probably like in month five or six or seven of the Alex Anzalone a, 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 a apology tour because <laughs> people just buried that guy in in year one that he was here and. It's just it's incredible what what a player can look like when you surround him. Like we, we always talk about this with a quarterback, right? Jared Goff looks better once you surround him with talent. Well, that that's really true of every position, right? It's true of an edge defender, because if you get interior guys, you're going to give that guy more one on ones. It's true of a, a safety because he, if he has corners, he can trust he can roam a little bit more free. It's true of wide receivers. Draw more attention away. It's very much true of linebackers. If you don't have to worry about your young, you know, sixth round rookie linebacker starting next to you or Derek Barnes, a guy who didn't play the position much of any at, at, at Purdue. If you suddenly have trust in those guys and you can just focus on your job, it makes you so much better at your job. And I think we're we're seeing all that happen. And I, I think, I think this all goes back to crediting Dan Campbell as a talent evaluator a little bit, because who saw this in Alex Anzalone? The guy, the guy didn't start a bunch in New Orleans, but Dan knew that he had the right character, that he had crazy good a- athleticism, which I think we all kind of underrate a little bit, and the potential to once he takes over that that starting spot, particularly at the will spot, he can kick some ass, and he is kicking some ass right now. Yeah, and you know what? The the apology tour rolls on, and I, I mean, I, I don't think that there's anybody who wasn't critical of Alex Anzalone at any point in his Lions career because... I mean, yeah, I I agree, Jeremy. Like, you start putting talent around a player, it doesn't matter where they are, right? I mean, unless you're Charles Harris, you can be double teamed into you know, you know, oblivion and still be the most productive pass rusher on the team in 2021. But in 2021, you know, Anzalone he led the NFL in missed tackles. Like, it was a it was a thing where it was like, okay, like I get it, it was a reclamation project, but then it continued. And then last offseason, it was the big extension, and then it was drafting Jeff or drafting Jack Campbell. And it kind of left all of us scratching our heads, right? Like where does Anzalone fit in this defense? And I think where he fits in this defense is uh, a leader, right? Like he's, he's a leader on the field. And like you said, Jeremy, his athleticism really pops off at the will position where he has more freedom to, to do some things. Um, But man, I mean, can we, can we, can we transition from one linebacker to another? Because Jack Campbell Way to have a game against the run, huh? I mean, the Lions' highest greatest, run. or highest graded run defender um, on the afternoon, and you know, I, I just, I just love it, right? I, I love the idea of he's not a guy who's getting too much put on his plate all at once because I think you see, right? You look around the league, right? You look at, and I know they're different positions, but look at Bryce Young last week, right? Like, I think if you just put too much on somebody's plate all at once when they're a young rookie player, maybe even in their second year, and that starts to overwhelm them, that's when problems happen, right? And I, I think again, like they're just they're they're doing the right thing by by talent development. And it speaks to like 
a huge swath of players on the roster. And like Dan talked about it in his press conference today, right? He talked about like, hey, I need to give Brad Holmes all the credit in the world for like finding these players. And then I need to also give all the credit in the world to the coaching staff who's coaching all these players and developing these players. I mean, this is everything we always wanted in terms of a football franchise, right? Is is a is an organization that isn't afraid of drafting a player like Jack Campbell, even though they just got a guy like Alex Anzalone and be like, no, Brad Holmes was, hey, this is a positionless guy. We'll find He's played Sam. He's played my, he's played a bunch of different spots. Sure. True to his and word, to show right? that patience and to show that patience with everything yes. as that development goes along too. Not to panic, throw it in. No question. And that uh, that I mean, you're getting pressure from everywhere, right? Like, mm. and and the pressure is obviously a lot less when you're five and one. But yeah, I mean, you're getting pressure to to play Jameer Gibbs. You're getting pressure to to play Jack Campbell and. Even Jamison Williams, he plenty sure. of pressure about what is Jamison Williams done for you lately and everything too. Like it's and, just and yeah, across the, the board. The lines are doing it the right. I think you, you laid it out perfectly. Playing it slow, playing it patient. Everyone wants immediate contributions from from your draft picks, but that that is not where the value kicks in. I mean, just think about some of the the first. I mean, you got you got a lot of really good production out of that first class, but a guy like Derek Barnes is a perfect example of slow and steady. You can get yourself a very strong contributor if you just ease the guy in, if if you if you play the long game. And so anyone overreacting to to year one or year two guys, just just remember that. Like the lines are, are taking some of these guys along slower because they need to. And and that's not every trajectory is you throw him out there and he's Aiden Hutch and you throw him out there and he's Panay Sewell. Sometimes it's you throw him out there and it's like, okay, he's gonna need a little seasoning. Let's give him a little seasoning before we we make him toast. Speaking of seasoning, toast thing, I, I don't even know where I was going with the transition. I just want Ooh, to talk I about I was looking forward to that one. I I'm sorry. I spilled, <laughs> I've spilled it all. I'm I'm no. already rattled up here today. So I just wanted to talk about cornerbacks. Are you feeling let me let me uh, reverse this. Go to Ryan first. Are you more confident or less confident? Well, we'll talk about injuries in the next segment, but looking at the performances of Cam Sutton. And Jerry Jacobs at the corner at the corners today, Ryan, are you more confident or less confident with them with that being your duo moving forward? I'm very confident in those guys being the top two corners again. Like though, I didn't have a problem with Cam. like, you know, no, no question about Cam Sutton, like, you know, maybe up and down on Jerry Jacobs. Yeah, I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah, no. I So here's the thing, right, is that I think what we've kind of articulated here is the way that that depth kind of just drops mm. off a cliff. Right. And like, I I'm starting to feel a lot more confidence in Jerry Jacobs because that guy has interceptions plural on the season. He made his best play on Sunday, that play where he just slipped under that, that block from the wide receiver on that screen and blew up that, that play in the backfield was the best play that he's made all year. Right. And the guy has multiple interceptions, big time turnovers, right? Like, you know, either either sealing the game kind of in Green Bay or, you know, changing the tide. No, like that play was like, oh, man, like that's a that's a play that's going to get that, you know, it's going to get Aaron Glenn fired up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And because that's a diagnosed play. Right. And and I think that's what they kind of want to see from from these guys in their corners. And and just to Cam Sutton real quick, like in the five questions preview, there was somebody, you know, the 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 question they asked me was, you know, what's kind of the the X factor matchup? And I thought, you know, Mike Evans healthy coming back from a bye, 
I mean, it's it's both of them, right? It's Godwin, it's Evans, right. but it's Cam Sutton because it's a name that we haven't heard a lot, which yep. usually is a good thing for a cornerback, right? Like when you Absolutely. don't hear their name a lot, that's a really good thing. However, you think about what Cam Sutton did last year and one of the things that we were probably most looking forward to were, hey, this guy has ball skills, right? Like he forces in completions. He, you know, had a few, he had a few interceptions last year, but he hadn't recorded anything yet through, through the first few games. I mean, made some big plays on, on Sunday. And, and I thought that he deserved a ton of credit for, for his play and really kind of just rising to the occasion. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like I was waiting for that game from Cam Sutton where I'm like, he, he can play up to that level. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that was always a question, right? Is do the lions have two number two cornerbacks or do they have a true number one and a number two? And I think this was a, a very much a step in the, Oh, Cam Sutton can be a CB one in this league. Um, that said, let's 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 dip in dip our toe into some some criticism here because I thought the safeties were not very good in this game. And we we touched on it kind of a lot in the first segment there. Like there were big plays that the Bucks left on the field, and a lot of it was bad safety play. A lot of it was Kirby Joseph getting a little too greedy with his eyes, Tracy Walker getting a little too greedy with his eyes. Uh, the fact that those there were several blown coverages, most of which, at least by my naked eye on, on the first time around seemed like they were safety issues and slot corner that, having some trouble as well. Will Harris oh, yeah. definitely yes. not playing with another bad Will Harris game. It's tough. He's, he's not, he's just, I mean, he's not a starting caliber he, nickel corner. He's um, just not Brian branch. Yeah. <laughs> no. And, and, and the good news there, and and we'll talk more about injuries in, in, in the next segment here, but like, it does seem like Brian branch is on his way back. And I, I just, I think I almost feel like Kirby is still getting his legs under him for the 2023 season. He hasn't played a ton of ball with, with the injuries he's been going through. Um, and, and so I, I don't know. And and then there's also an issue where it looked like he was not feeling right at the end of the game. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, so hopefully he rebounds in a big way. I think he will. I didn't think Tracy um, Walker played as bad as those other two. I thought, you know, we still yeah. got some good production out of him, but like, I'm with you. Like, we had that incident early on with the Isaiah Bugs tip at the line of scrimmage where, you know, that ends up turning into three points for the Detroit Lions. If you want to think about it, that's a seven point swing, because if he hadn't tipped that ball, Mike Evans was gone. That's a yeah, Mike that's Evans a was swing. gone. And no that question. happened. That happened a couple of times. I'm trying to think. Was it Godwin who I think was loose another time? But uh, there, there, there were the, the deep shots to Trey Palmer. That, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, Baker That's Mayfield, I mean, a little bit, a little bit more touch, right? Th- those end up being big completions. But like, mm-hmm. again, I, like, I don't want to live in the world of coulda, shoulda, wouldas. And oh, if Isaiah Bugs wouldn't have tipped that ball or, right. you know, if because. No, the I don't want to live there, too. But I think to... it's too, I think it's to Jeremy's point in that coverage is getting blown up a couple times here where you're you, you are uncomfortable with how it's 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 panning out. Yeah, it, it, sure. it's just a matter of like you want. You want to make sure that's cleaned up going forward. It's not like, oh, the Bucks should have won that game. No one is saying that. I hope no one is saying that. Um, not by a long It's just shot. like when when eventually you face a better quarterback, that sort of stuff won't fly. That sort of stuff could lose yeah. you games. Unless it's Patrick Mahomes. Unless it's Patrick Mahomes. Well, yeah. because Kadarius you know, Tony. Astros, Astros. Um, <laughs> b- before we, we move to the offense, and, and we should talk about the offense, um, 
if we're talking run game, if we're talking about how good these linebackers are playing, we have to give credit to the big up, uglies up front that make their job easy. And that's something that Dan Campbell did uh, really to, to start his press conference today. Isaiah Bugs, Benito Jones had himself a game. Uh, and of course, Ali McNeil, who is having one hell of an October so far. Those guys taking on double teams, freeing up those linebackers to play downfill, downhill and fast. That's really the the, the stir that the wait the, the straw, straw that's the you, you did you did my, you did a Chris you did a Chris there yeah um, I, I also yeah. want to shout out to Julian Oquara for a different reason too like that's a tough road back with everything produces near the end of the game I think Romeo Oquara was actually higher grade of played a lot fewer snaps too but yeah to your point like this is a very deep front front four or front uh, defensive line yeah yeah and performing and just, very well it, it's to me it it really in the same way that the offensive line is kind of what makes the offense go, I really think the defensive tackles, The you know, we, we talk a lot about Aiden Hutchinson. We talk about some of the other superstars on defense, Brian Branch and things like that. But give Benito Jones and Aline McNeil their, their, their flowers. And obviously Isaiah Bugs with the, the 10 point swing deflection. Um, that was that was essential to, to the Lions win, I think. I feel like I feel like Benito Jones coming into his his own as far as a nose tackle is really what has solidified the tackles and allowed other guys like McNeil who can kind of shift all over to really just sure. do his business and really like it it was it's kind of that piece that like fits in and lets the rest of the unit do what they need to do. Yeah. But Let, let's let's yeah. let this run full circle real quick and go back to Alex Anzalone because his run defense grade, I know it wasn't as high as Jack Campbell's, but um any any linebacker in week six so far. So save Monday night, right? No minimum run defense snaps. Alex Anzalone had five defensive stops, according to PFF. Okay. But he had a 38.5% stop rate. Hmm. His average depth of tackle was 0.2. The both those like the stop percentage is the highest mark. And that there's no minimum run defense snaps on that. Right. Like That's I mean, that think about Two years ago, it was oh the linebacker, or two years ago it was uh, or a year ago the, the linebacker room. It's a bloodbath, you know. We'll we'll see what right. <laughs> it's a bloodbath on Sundays now. You know yeah. what I mean? And I almost feel like it's it's that way now with the defensive tackle room because like everyone is so surprised and and angry that Isaiah Bugs isn't playing the nose. I think we have to start coming to the realization that that's less about Isaiah Bugs and more about Benito Jones. Yeah, no, I, I I'd say so. Uh, moving over to the offense. Boy, the Lions are really happy to have Amon Ross St. Brown back for this game. <laughs> Not just because uh, they lost David Montgomery middle of the game, but uh, man, it just I don't know how you replace his like, I don't think I, I don't think it's a hot take to say the Lions don't win this game without a healthy St. Brown. Like that's hard production to replace. And we can give all the flowers in the world to Jamison Williams for the deep play. But when you're having the amount of snaps St. Brown plays, when you're having the amount of touches that he gets to keep moving the ball against an, against a defense that has been very good in coverage, like it, it's what keeps the lions going when they can't go back to the, to the, to the ground game. The, the thing that, that really shows up to me is the chemistry between him and golf. It's, it's unparalleled. It's, it's unreal. It's, it's that, video clip in the off season of, of Jared Goff closing his eyes and throwing a route to Amon Ross St. Brown. That's what that third and three out route was. 
it was like he could have done that with his eyes closed because it's just timing. It doesn't even matter where the defender is. It's he knows exactly the point he's throwing that ball as soon as the ball is snapped. And Amon Ra is there. The ball is perfectly placed. The lines get an inch past the sticks. Keep that seven minute drive going. It's it's unreal. And I asked both of them about it. And and yeah, they they the way they they described it, and I think it was Amon Ra who said this, is they they just see the the game the same way. They see if a defender is here, he knows when Amon Ra is going to cut that route, when he's going to cut it short, what direction he's going to cut it where his leverage is going to be. They 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 are so in tune with each other that there's so much nonverbal communication between them in, in the middle of a play that it's almost unstoppable. And I think that is ultimately what is going to make like Sam Laporta didn't have the same production that he usually has uh, in, in the pass catching game. Like, I don't think Sam Laporta had a bad game, but it's definitely not what we've seen of Sam Laporta so far. But that's ultimately what's going to make St. Brown kind of you know they're they're competing for those same types of catches sure. at the end of the day and St. Brown is just so much more in tune with it that it just yeah we'll we'll see how long Montgomery is out but you're going to have to hope for a healthy St. Brown. I did want to also talk about Ryan the um offensive line unless you want to get on, in on St. Brown. Now I I kind of wanted to talk real quick about St. Brown's usage and okay. how the co- how the coaching staff I think they just identified a mismatch, right? So like uh, Tampa Bay, they had a um, they had an undrafted free agent rookie who, who's playing in, in the in the nickel spot, uh, Christian Isian. Um, he was a guy coming into this game who had, uh, according to PFF, it was seven point seven uh, snaps per target. So like teams were definitely throwing the ball their way. Um, and again, we've seen like some different snap dis- distributions in terms of alignment for St. Brown, but like this week it was primarily the slot. And I, that, I think that was definitely by design. And I think the other thing that was big, it goes back to the point I made in the first segment, the contested catches, man, he had, according to PFF, I mean, he had a perfect score of hundred percent, but he had three contested catches on, on, on three targets where, I mean, they were tough plays and those were plays that you need him to catch the ball at the bare minimum, right? just to keep the clock moving. So it's big. Uh, Yeah. Let me talk about the offensive. <laughs> I'm sorry. We've been very juvenile off stream. Uh, let me, uh, can I, can I ask Jeremy and Ryan, I want to ask you both about, I got a less, a lot of questions during the post game show about why Halapuli Vadi Vaitai didn't play. And it's yeah. obvious they're managing his they're managing his health. They want to make sure he's he's healthy for the rest of the season. That said, it does fall onto Coyote Awusika to play his position at left guard. Graham Glasgow in at right. How did you feel about both these players uh, on, on the game today? I think Coyote put in about a 61.8 score on pro football focus overall pass blocking about 65.8. Yeah, I, I'll have to check the tape again. I haven't had time to to rewatch the game even a, a single time yet with all the travel and things like that. I, I guess I guess the question largely becomes, are you fine with the strategy? Because I'm like, it's obvious at this point in his career, Vitae does need some management to make sure you'll be able to still have him come yeah. December. No, I think I think this is definitely like you said, it's, it's an injury thing. And, and Dan Campbell basically said as much as like, yeah, we, we, he's, he's comfortable enough out there to if we need him in emergency he can be out there he can do the five special team snaps that we need him for but right now we we trust Aushika we 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 trust him Aushika excuse me he's had plenty of starts under his his belt at this point and he's also 
played both left and, and right guard. And so um, I think part of it is also you trust Graham right now. He's playing really good football at right guard right now. So why would you want to disrupt that by putting him or, or, or Colby Sorsdal in at, at left guard where it seems like maybe, or I guess at right guard is where he's kind of been, been learning the rope. So do you really want to displace Graham Glasgow and play left guard, which I'm sure he's capable of doing to put in a rookie at right guard? That's in, that's you know it's messing with two spots. I think I think there's a certain amount of um, chemistry that that you need in your offensive line, and so having having it be Ragnow, Glasgow, and and Panay as often as you can is is important. So I I didn't have an issue with with the the move. I, I understand why it was surprising. I think we were all excited that that the Lions could potentially have Vitai back, but. They're they're playing the the smart long. I mean, we just talked about it. Ease your guys in. Um, don't throw them when when they're not physically ready. Don't throw them early in when when they're not mentally ready. And obviously, Vita is going to be mentally ready, but he's not physically ready, and so don't force it. It's a tough. I mean, that's a tough ask of Aoshika, admittedly, and and it's probably why they didn't put Sorsdal over there. You're, you're going up against Vita Vea. You're going up against Cansey uh, uh, in in uh, with only a couple of, of starts under your belt and. They managed. The run game was a was a disaster. I mean, I'm and I'm not gonna put it all on Aushika. I think Aushika gave up the most pressures as well amongst the team with five or six, but he held his own. He 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 did what the, the Lions needed to do. And I thought the pass protection overall was very, very good in the second half when it needed to be. And so you survived. You survived a really tough week, and and we'll see what the Lions do this week because I get the sense maybe Jonah's not coming back this week. Maybe Vitae is going to be ready enough to 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 shake some things up and put him on the left or put Graham on the left. But um, they survived a a really really tough matchup, and so I think that alone proves that they they probably did it right. To your point, too, Vita Vey, even though very little um, in the in the stat sheet, still had I think something like a ninety. Uh, scores from pro uh, 92 uh, run defense but like overall 90 from pro football focus like the lions handled him remarkably well even though he is still just an absolute beast to deal with brian what do you think about the uh, offensive line here and just how they're handling it I'm, i'm cool with it like you know dan talked about it in the in the monday press conference where he was like there was some good there was some not so good and Again, like it's the coaching staff, right? Like the coaching staff's going to work with Yodi on that stuff. And if they want to keep going with this, I'm fine with it. Um, I do get a sense, though, that, again, I think that they were taking things slow with Vitae. And maybe they'll be willing to shake things up um, this coming up week. I mean, because Baltimore's defense is no joke. So um, it's not one of those things where it's like, well, you know, we tried to see if we could sack. I don't think you try to see anything. I think you put your your best five out there um, uh, against the Ravens defense. That's really, really good. Uh, Laporta though. We haven't talked about Laporta at all. And he got 11 targets, right? Like that was, (laughs) it's a career high. And like, I, I, I think what's most impressive about Laporta's game. And I know he had the drop, but like Jared Goff, zero concern about throwing, the ball to Laporta when he's in in coverage against, you know, Levante David and, you know, the big name guys, you know what I mean? Like he, mm. he I, I think that again, like you, you saw another example of like the extension of, of golf and just the trust and, and like willing to, to throw the ball and to target Laporta. And, and I don't know some, some plays seemed like, you know, the targets were maybe 
a little uh a little off but um yeah man i don't know like laporta thoughts on laporta anybody else i mean I, I think you kind of nailed it. Like, I, th- it looks like there is there is a little bit of chemistry that's still being built. Like, sometimes it feels like the ball should be on the left shoulder when it's on the right shoulder or something like that. And you wonder whether it's an accuracy issue or, you know, a route issue. All that sort of stuff is pretty normal this early in, in a tight end's career, which is why tight ends don't typically produce at the rate that, that Sam Laporta is producing. But I think I think you're you're right on there with with the trust factor. Like, <laughs> your, your rookie tight end is getting 11 targets in a game. And and a lot of those, as you said, like weren't throws that Jared Goff was making in year one in Detroit. And so I think it also kind of speaks to his growth uh, in, in terms of just trusting his players to make plays. Um, but the fact that, that Laporte has already gained that level of trust is, is truly remarkable. And so he had a drop. He had one get knocked away. You, you'd probably like to see him, you know, once he catches it, put it away so it doesn't get knocked away. So now I wouldn't say it was his best game, but it's still it, it, in, in the same way. The fact that he was still that big of a part of their game plan is also kind of impressive. We haven't talked about the run game yet. Let's put a pin in that and we'll talk about it next because the run game is inherently tied to a question of injuries that the Lions are continuing to deal with. And it brings up new questions as far as how they're going to tailor their offense, especially as the Lions are now looking ahead to the Baltimore Ravens, which they will go to Baltimore on Sunday to play. So we'll take a break, be right back and dig up all that and dissect it next on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pride to Detroit POD cast. The one thing we left off with not talking about with the offense was the run game. 
David Montgomery is probably going to miss a little bit of time. Uh, that is the quote, a little time. He's not going on IR. Uh, the rib injury, maybe, though, maybe to maybe, be clear, maybe, 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 maybe. But like right now in the immediate, not going on IR. However, rib injury is kind of difficult to deal with, especially when you are playing that position. Like I, I know people brought up wide receivers played through it. It's different when you're a running back getting hit on every play in that same area. We don't know how long the Detroit Lions will, will not have David Montgomery. We can probably safely assume he will not play for the ball uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. Lions have to hope that maybe they can get him back after the bye, but it is an injury. I believe at this point they will probably have to manage throughout the entire season, which is hard for a running back because David Montgomery, I'm not going to call him a bell cow, but definitely someone you want having a lot of rough handoffs. Now the lions without that are reduced now to Jameer Gibbs, who has been missing some time as well. Craig Reynolds, and I believe they had some play from Divine, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, saying his name wrong. I haven't been able to say it out loud yet, Jeremy. Uh, Divine Ozigbo. Divine or Devin? Let's go with that. Okay, Divine Ozigbo. It is not an ideal situation. The Detroit Lions, as we discussed, thankfully can still fall back on a passing game right now that is working very well. They will have to do it more. I guess as I look forward, though, for the Detroit Lions, I guess the question is how much the situation holds? How much can they transform the offense around it? Do they maybe need to consider alternative options to the core right now? Or do you think that Craig Reynolds can potentially be someone who continues to grow into more of that role? Or does it turn into, and I know they talk about Jameer Gibbs being not quite, you know, Jameer Gibbs is never going to be that give him however many snaps a game to be a pure number one running back. But do they maybe need more on Jameer Gibbs? Which way do you see this going as they deal with this injury, Jeremy? Well, we have a sample size already. We had Montgomery miss the game and they gave the ball 17. They gave 17 carries to Jameer Gibbs and he turned it into what, 70 yards. That's where this is going. Like, I, I don't even think there's a question, honestly. I think I think they, they've kind of forced their hand at this point. And and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like this team has missed basically almost all of their playmakers on offense at one point in the season already. They 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 didn't have uh Amon Ra for a game. They didn't have um Montgomery for a game. They haven't had Jameer Gibbs for two games. Uh, Laporta's been banged up. Offensive line's been banged up. Um they'll be okay. Um I do think we've said multiple times on this podcast, Dan has basically said it as well. Like Montgomery is their centerpiece. So they are not just going to be like, oh, I guess we're not going to run the ball at all anymore. No, they they're still going to very much want to do that. Um I I still think, and and Dan kind of pushed against this a little bit today, I still think they need a bruiser. I still think they need to go out and get a guy because you didn't just lose David Montgomery, you lost his backup, right? You, um, the, the the terrible shoulder injury that uh, ended um, Bam's season. Donovan, um, uh, yep. Donovan Knight's season. Um, Craig Reynolds isn't that guy. He isn't that big physical runner. Um, I'm not sure what what the Lions have in, in Azigbo. Um, and I, I, 
I think they have to go and, and find someone to at least be there in case you aren't expecting Jameer Gibbs to carry the load or you, you, you in case he gets injured again. Like, and to be clear, it's not a full guarantee that Jameer Gibbs is coming back this week, but it certainly sounded like the way that Dan Campbell talked about him today, that he's going to be back in the lineup. It sounds like Brian Branch is probably trending in that direction too. Maybe even James Mitchell, although James Mitchell is playing, you know, a handful of snaps a game anyway. So not sure that's a big game changer. The the interesting thing to me though, is when he, he kind of shuffled off the, the talk of adding another running back, Dan Campbell said, if we need to, we might dig into the receivers. Yep. And that I don't, I, I had to rewind that. that. I had to rewind that. That yeah. is, um, I don't know okay. if that solves, solves any problems really. Um, it, I guess it, it speaks to some of the versatility in, in, and that, that's the thing. That's, I think the ultimate point I want to get to is like, this offense can be so many things we saw on on Sunday, they they can be a passing offense in in a five minute drill if they want to. They can be a deep shot team if they need to be with Josh Reynolds and and Jamison Williams. They can be a middle of the field team when, with Laporta and and Gibbs and whatever. Um, so I, I I have confidence that Ben Johnson is going to figure this out for the month or whatever it is they're going to be without Montgomery. And I guess maybe that means more Amon Ra in the backfield. Maybe that means more Khalif Raymond in the backfield. Maybe that means some Wildcat. I don't know. Like, it might mean a whole bunch of different things. Um, but just him kind of casually dropping in, like, yeah, we'll play some wide receivers at running back if we have to. It was like, okay, you're already thinking. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think before anybody starts thinking, oh, trade candidates and all that stuff, I don't think that that's – I mean, Dan even today said, like, we're – like, it, it's something that we can handle in-house. You know what I mean? And I think that that came on the heels of him just, you know, casually dropping. Oh, we'll just have some of the wide receivers start running the football. I I also I also think that running back, that's not something I would really put in a basket as far as trade. Like if you're going to do any trades before the deadline, that's probably far better served addressing defensive back depth right now. Running back, like I think you'd get the same level in a trade as you would just getting a guy off the street at this point. Yeah, well, so I, I think maybe some of the names, though, like I think former cast of characters, like I don't think they're going to go like out of house necessarily, but like Benny Snell, who, you know, was on the Lions roster at one point mm-hmm. or Jamar Jefferson or know maybe fans... some of these names that we have we have like seen before here in Detroit and they're not maybe too far down the call list. But I true I, I really do believe, though, you, you drafted Jameer Gibbs to be this positionless, awesome weapon. I think that maybe maybe it might not be the 17 carries that Jeremy just mentioned from from the game that David uh, Montgomery missed um, this Falcons game. Um, but I think that you'll you'll get more Jameer Gibbs. And obviously it's going to come with health, too. And there might be a ramp up period, especially coming back from an injury. But it certainly does seem like he's trending in that direction to to possibly be a go this week against the Ravens. But it, it to me, it kind of spells the end of. Uh, training wheels. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I think like it's, it's time to see this guy do his thing now. Um, and, and I don't think I'm speaking from a point of, um, I guess, uh, impatience. I guess I'm kind of speaking from a point of desperation at this point. You know what I mean? Cause I yeah, think it's... that David Montgomery is so critical to what they do. Like this is, this is a big injury. Like this is a huge, this is a huge issue. Like, and I know that the lions can get creative and I would trust Ben Johnson above maybe any other offensive coordinator uh, or any, you know, 
play call designer outside maybe Kyle Shanahan in the league to come up with some creative stuff while David Montgomery's out. But they're going to need the 12th overall pick to to show up and, and, and make some plays on game day. I have two quick things. Um, one, I, I think I actually disagree with you guys, and this is going to strike a lot of people as surprising, but I do think running back should be something that you're exploring during the trade deadline. I mean, if you have a really good one of, if you have a good one that you know is going to fulfill sure. that yeah. role available, I sure. I don't <laughs> Jamal have, Williams available. I don't have a name. <laughs> no, Jamal <laughs> Williams is on uh, with a big hmm. contract like that. But like, why'd you do that? Eight, why'd you do that? Ryan? Seventh round pick. Do you for, not know what happened to Jamal back. Williams? <laughs> yeah, I, I know I, he's I, on IR. Okay, I'm just saying. I I'm, I'm not saying make a Christian McCaffrey type move. I'm saying get a some team's RB two for a sixth or seventh round pick. And and be okay. Be and and but it's a specific it's, RB2. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they need that gap runner, yes. that bruiser, right? Yes. I, I, I agree, right? And I don't think that that's Craig Reynolds. I right. don't think that they think that that's Craig Reynolds. And and it in fact it it better not be a big move. It it should be a, a late round swap type of deal because we don't like it doesn't seem like this is a, a long term David Montgomery. It, like no, it there's a chance like he goes Lions on IR. Back, it sounds like Lions won him back this season. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I don't think there's any chance he misses the entire season, but I think there is a chance he goes on IR, maybe misses four or five games. And so why not have someone to carry you for two or three of those games? And I, I understand also, like, we're we're just about hitting the bye. Maybe maybe Montgomery's back by after the bye. And, and if that's the case, maybe don't waste a, a, a draft no. pick on someone that's going to be but a I, I, three I think, or four game are, rental. But are. you could also use that depth because, like I said, you don't have Zonovan Knight. You don't have any guy behind Montgomery right now that is capable of being David Montgomery. So if you can find a guy for a seventh round pick that is David Montgomery for two days or two weeks, and then David Montgomery's backup, the RB four or whatever it is, he is on the team, that that's might be worth it. Um, yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say depth could absolutely be something yeah. that fills into there too, like for sure. And the the very last thing is is if it if it uh, Jamar Jefferson is definitely a, a guy that's crossed my mind. The the tricky part here is we don't know if he's available because the Lions injury settlement gave him an injury settlement, and the way the rules go is however long the injury settlement, which is not made public, is however long they think he would have missed. So if it, if it was yeah, a two month injury, point. then maybe he's not available. Uh, and if he if he were to resign with the team that gave him the injury settlement, he actually has to wait three additional weeks beyond what the injury settlement was. So if it was one month, he can't sign with the Lions until one month and three weeks. So yeah, we don't know where he's at in terms of that injury settlement at this point. So we don't know if he's available. If he is available, then I think he's definitely on the table. Yeah, good point. One other quick little thing, Chris, is um, with, I think, the idea of David Montgomery going to IR, and I know that Dan wouldn't commit to anything on Monday. <laughs> he would apologize to Dave Burkett. He's like, I'm not being like short with you, but he's like, He's like, you can tell that he's bummed, right? And I think that maybe he's just bummed because for a couple of reasons, right? Like he probably feels like that guy's having a hell of a season so far. He's probably super proud of him and excited and happy for him and to Mm -hmm. see an an injury like this derail things. But like, uh, I I think, because you got to keep this in mind too, right? You can only designate so many players back from injured reserve in a season. Uh, You get eight of them, right, Jeremy? And the Lions have already used a couple. Yep. So, And they probably plan on using a couple more. Right. So I, I think when you look at this bye week being 
you know, a couple weeks away. Yeah. Maybe they can kind of game things that way where it's like, okay, like, you know, we'll wait to see how David's feeling. And really in the grand scheme of things, you know, the bye week happens and we don't have to, you know, bother wasting an IR spot. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that's just going to be really hard to keep track of right now. And it's, it's unfortunate because again, like this is coming also at the same time where the lions have significant injuries at defensive among their defensive backs. And those are two key contributors there who are going to just not see probably the rest of the season at this point. I know CJ Gardner Johnson's can return at this point, but he's not going to. So, and obviously that remains another concern as far as the lions is depth as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we, we've talked about the outside corner depth a bunch, yeah. but if, if we're continuing with, with injury news, like I think I think getting Brian Branch back soon, which it sounds like it is going to happen, whether it's this week, huge uh, is going to be. Yeah, absolutely huge. I mean, Will I Harris, think they could, I, I love you, buddy. They, yeah, but we need we need a strong nickel who can help both the run defense, not that it needs that much more help and just covering the middle of the field. I also um, though, think the Lions still need one more body back there. Sure. Somewhere somewhere on a CB2 depth because they just this is this is still only October when it comes to the NFL. Like this thing has a way to keep grinding and grinding and grinding. Let's look ahead to the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, It's probably the tough the toughest test the Lions have had since probably the start of the season, I would say. Uh, coming off a win here against the Tennessee Titans, Baltimore is sitting at um, four and two. So once again, the Lions are getting another division leader. On the road. On the road in Baltimore before going home for Monday night football against the Raiders and then a bye after that. Uh, without taking too much away from first bite, Jeremy, Lions are, will be going into this against a defense that is... I believe their defense sits second in DVOA right now. Offense ranked 10th. So much like the Detroit Lions facing off a team that scores very well in their efficiency numbers uh, and the Lions will have to do it without David Montgomery. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not an easy task. It's another it's another, I guess, litmus, litmus test. I, I, I don't doubt the legitimacy of the Lions, so maybe litmus test isn't the right word, but I guess just testing your where how high i guess this this team is are they a top five team are they a top three team are they a top two team um maybe that's what gets shook out here this week but i mean that it, it's it's going to be an interesting matchup you know i think a lot of lions fans are going to have that that ravens game from a couple of years ago in their minds where lamar converts the third and or the fourth and whatever it was um the the 66 yarder all that horror bringing back up um but they're a better team now um the Ravens are also a good team too. I, I, Lamar's having a phenomenal year as a passer. As a passer, let's be clear, um, yeah, a very, well, very good well, passer. Yeah, like yeah, that's the thing to key in on. But also, like, what has this team struggled with, Jeremy? Mobile quarterbacks, and th- there is nobody like him in the league, right? Um, so yeah, it's it's another test to see how how much Aaron Glenn can keep this defense rolling. And and, and to be clear, he's doing a phenomenal job right now. I think we we need to underscore that a, a lot considering everyone was ready to fire the guy after the Seahawks game. Defense has been absolutely amazing since then. And then offensively, yeah, it, it's it's 
weathering the storm of, of not having Dave Montgomery. It's going against the second best defense in the league. It's Ben Johnson trying to, to create a, another game plan that, that keeps a really good Ravens defense that has playmakers at every level off kilter. And um, Jared Goff, another, another tough test on the road, you know, there's, there's, those- there's still, there's still a little bit of that like lingering narrative that Jared Goff can't play on the road. Um, you think maybe last week would put it to bed a little bit, but I'm sure it'll creep back up. If oh, if I'm sure, I'm sure it'll come out because it'll probably be a lot colder in Baltimore than it would be in Tampa True. for next week. Um, I'm just trying to parse Baltimore's losses right now because you know they lose to the Colts with Gardner Minshew leading them the entire game, and they lost mm-hmm. to uh the the Steelers, who I, I think at this point we can say that Kenny Pickett isn't it. But and definitely wasn't it in that game. But in both those games, they gave up over 220 yards passing. So, you know, with the Lions missing David Montgomery, it will put more of an emphasis on the passing game there. And we'll see. I I don't think Kyle, uh, Kyle Hamilton is getting suspend is getting any kind of penalty for might might be a fine he'll get for fined that. for sure he will absolutely get fine but he's not going to miss this game at all which mm. i have questions about because that was one of the dirtiest hits i've seen uh in a couple weeks but that's kind of the that's kind of the blueprint there and i think the good thing at least is that the detroit lions at five and one like We've talked about this before, Jeremy, like they don't need to be pitching. They don't need to be perfect every game. And I think they've given themselves a little cushion to to work with here. As far as the win loss record, you would like to win this game. You would absolutely like to win this game. You you really want to, especially going in later into the season. But I don't think Lions fans should not be screaming for the sky to be falling if this game turns into a loss either. Because you'll be at five and two. NFL has that baked in noise. You'll be going home to play the Raiders. Can I say that like the thing I'm probably looking forward to the most this weekend or the thing that I'm keeping an eye on the most, not the thing I'm like most anticipating, but uh, I want to see what happens to Lions fans. Like if this doesn't go their way, because I feel like they're getting spoiled in a lot of ways right now. I, I, you know I what think, I mean? Like, I think... I, like. No, go ahead, Chris. I was going to say, as as I've been running our Discord on game day, I'm noticing for a lot of them, they haven't been able to kick the doomerism habits sometimes. And unless this team is winning, is putting up at least 20 points. The first half against Tampa this week, uh, there were a lot of people who were just very impatient. So I feel like if this doesn't get off to, I, I think you are right. The, the lion, they, they are getting a bit spoiled. And if they're not seeing wire to wire, then it, 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 it brings out, it brings out the panic a little bit. I think lions fans are almost a little too quick to revert to uh, the doom and gloom. So I like you, I will be curious to see how this goes. I, I my point that I was making was that I, I think the lion, I think lions fans, like we know how to lose. We really know how to lose. It's just I think we're learning how to win too. And like I, I'm, I'm saying personally, like if they split these two games, right? And if we're like in a week ahead, if it's like a a one one split, like going into the bye week, six and two, it's still I, a really good record. Th- this is the point that I want to make the entire podcast. If the Lions can go into the bye week six and two, this coaching staff has assuaged every single concern that any of us had coming into this season, 
right? Like the team has looked great on both sides of the ball at multiple junctures in the season so far, but they passed the biggest test of all. They did not come out flat. Six and two in these first eight games. I mean, that's everything that everybody was wanting for and everything that everybody was hoping for. And that was the step in this football team taking the next step to being a winner, to being a team that, you know, it's not just, okay, they hung in there with the Eagles in the season opener, like good for them. And, you know, they're, they're playing competitive. No, it's, it's no moral victories anymore. Like, you know, a winning record and, uh, and, and like some statement victories mixed in there too. Like just some of the emphatic ways they've won football games in big spots. I, I don't know. I, I think just, even right now, like we can just say like I this, this coaching staff is more than I think any of us could have dreamed for. And it, it's not just the, the strong start. It's a strong start with the degree of difficulty, right? This was not an exactly. easy start to the schedule. This wasn't no. not not that the Packers and, and the Falcons and, and the and the Panthers are, are great teams, but starting on the road in, in Kansas City. Your next road game is in Lambeau on primetime. Two primetime road games to to start the season. Division game on the road on a short rest week on Thursday. And then and then you go down to Tampa. That becomes a late game. Like they they have had a ton of challenges thrown at them, not just by the league, not just by the schedule, by their own health as well. They're undefeated on the road. (laughs) They've weathered a hell of a lot of storms. So as long as they don't drop both of these games, I'm going to be feeling pretty damn good about this team at the bottom. It, it, and even it if they do, they're still it, six and three. It reinforces three. what I said earlier too, is that Dan Campbell, I think he, he, he has been for years getting a lot of good accolades as far as being a motivator, but as someone who prepares the team week in and week out for the challenge that's coming up, like I think that speaks to like, there, there's not a moment where I can say the, at all that the lions are caught flat-footed like there 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 absolutely hasn't been a game like that since the carolina game and the only game before that last carolina last year i should say and then before that the patriots game but like those getting yourself like exposed games are becoming fewer and fewer in between and it and one hasn't happened yet this year yeah i think i think that's a really good point and i think it does speak to the coaching and how that has trickled down to the entire culture of this team because yeah like i think when you become a successful team like this, the natural worry among fans, among media, among probably coaches too, is that they grow complacent, right? They think they've arrived. They think, oh, Carolina's coming into town. We're going to kick the crap out of them. Let me kick back and and not work hard that week of practice. And I think the clearest sign that that message has gotten through to the team was last night, talking to Amon Ross St. Brown after the game. The media's tried to butter him up a little bit and saying, oh, well, like, what does it feel like? You guys are you guys are five and one. You guys are, you know, the crowds are going crazy. You know, you're, you have a share of the the, the best record in, in the league. What does that mean to you? And he says, well, a year ago, we were one in six. People probably thought we were one of the worst teams in the NFL. What did they think at the end of last year? We were one of the most dangerous teams. So things can change in a hurry, right? We got to make sure we don't do the exact inverse of that this year. Yeah. And and that's, and that's a coaching thing too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that, that's something that starts at the top and it it permeates its way through the locker room. And that's why, I mean, this coaching staff, man, like it's, 
I think a lot of people kept on pointing to it in the offseason saying, like, this is the best attribute for the Detroit Lions, like the guy at the top and the staff that he's put in in power. And it, it, it's playing out on Sundays, man. And and it's and it's leading to. I mean, dude, I, I was walking in the parking lot in Kroger earlier with a lion sweatshirt on. And there's somebody who just shouted from their car, like, go Lions. Yeah. Like, what is this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's really fun. It being at the airport yet today after just like everyone is just like I felt like everyone wanted to hug each other. I I don't want to go too far into this, but it it felt very much to me, ironically, like Tampa in 20, 2009 when the Lions finally ended their road losing streak. I was at that game and yeah. I was and and the scenes that we that, that people are posting of the court like the quarters of, of Raymond James of people hugging each other and giving each other that's what it was like in 2009 because we had like we had witnessed this awesome moment together and now now like obviously the bar is way higher um but it's kind of that same phenomenon of like we waited so long we waited two and a half years for a road win now we've waited 70 years for a team that that we could make a solid argument for best team in the NFL right now. And all we want to do is just hug each other right now and, and just like commiserate. And, and I don't know, just, it's, it's a really fun time to be a Lions fan. And and I don't want to lose sight of that while we, you know, shake in or shake our, shake our boots that the David Montgomery might not, but like, let's sit back and, and smell the roses for a minute too. Yeah. Cause this is a lot of freaking fun. In summation and a point we didn't really get to creamsicles ain't shit. <laughs> All I heard of the game was all about those stupid creamsicles. Lions, baby. Let's get out of here. Is first bite with who I think it's with? It sure is. Awful. <laughs> Awful. Awful. That that's should, gonna get people to listen. <laughs> you should listen to it, but it but uh just know that um I don't think there's been any more great villains that we villain in a negative term in this case. Don't Kyle, we love you. If you're listening, Kyle Barber, I have to see him tomorrow. Guest. Don't butter him up. Why do you have to see him tomorrow? Dungeons and Dragons. Oh. Yeah. You get to see him tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> Midweek mailbag today, this week, too, oh, yeah, by the way. Oh, great. By the confirmed. way. Confirmed. Yep. Confirmed. By the way, check out the post game show for Raw Feelings. Also, the Amon Ross St. Brown podcast. Any final get ready notes? for November. Get ready for November, everybody. Big charity drive coming all of Mo- all of November. I'm going to grow a really big ugly mustache. We're going to raise a bunch of money. You guys are going to win a bunch of prizes and make us do a bunch of silly stuff. We'll have yeah. Lions guests throughout the week as well, throughout the, the month. If you haven't joined us for November before, it's going to be awesome. You guys are going to have a ton of fun. Join us. Join the Discord. And as always, we'll see you starside.
What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the PropG Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.